Welcome to our worship from Seal Church, led by me, Canon Anne Labar. The hymn which ends the service is sung by the choristers of St Martin in the Fields. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, who called your church to bear witness that you were in Christ reconciling the world to yourself, help us to proclaim the good news of your love, that all who hear it may be drawn to you, through him who was lifted up on the cross and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading today is from Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 9. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honour, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, extend hospitality to strangers, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink, for by doing this you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The Gospel reading today is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, beginning at verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, you are a stumbling block to me for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone for what has been done. 
Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. I like to start putting my thoughts together for a sermon by reading the texts and then stepping back to think, what does this hit me with? What's the big messages that really resonate with me? It's a good thing to do before diving into commentaries or reading the thoughts of more skilled theologians because it makes it personal and real. It can be a really interesting exercise to hear several sermons in a row on the same readings. Don't get too worried, it's not something we're planning on doing very soon. But also to ask members of a group what they felt and the range of responses can vary widely. This week, the two big themes for me were, one, facing up to the need to do difficult stuff that we sometimes find frightening, and two, for want of a better word, what feels like our daily bread, the things we need to do every day in our efforts to live a Christian life. It's pretty obvious where the first theme comes from as we hear Jesus tell the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer and be killed. It would be the elders and chiefs, priests and scribes who bring this suffering and death to Jesus. They sound like familiar enemies to us with our historical perspective, but to the disciples it was truly shocking that the guardians of the nation's religious heritage would kill the one who has come to fulfil it. The second theme of daily functions came mostly from our Romans reading where Paul tells the church not about a single task or mission, but what needs to become ingrained in the way we live our lives. Serving God, hating evil, loving one another, patience, perseverance, and whilst he didn't use these exact words, having humility, kindness, and not falling into the trap of using the same strategies as our enemies. I don't know about you, but when I've got tasks that are necessary but dull, I don't know, filling out long forms for HMRC, for example, and I'll bet that's one that even St Matthew can sympathise with as a former tax collector, I'll set time aside as the deadline approaches and then have a sense of relief that it's over for another year, mentally freed up to do more enjoyable things. Very different from the habits which make us the people we are in everyday situations. So, for me, this week encourages us to consider both the routine and the extraordinary aspects of being a Christian, of following Christ. Mercifully, few of us are called to fulfil missions which are certain to end in death and suffering. But we are called, called by Jesus, to take up our cross and follow him. The life we are called to is linked to Jesus' own path. And we're challenged to consider the gap 
between Jesus' call to discipleship and the lives we live out on a daily basis. In the middle of writing this sermon, I took a a break to eat a very nice vegetable lasagna and hesitated to decline a glass of red wine with it in order that I could keep a clear head and crack on again after dinner. Hardly radical sacrifice, is it? Quite rightly, we're told over and again how much God loves us. But there is a danger that we could interpret this to mean that he wants us to have comfortable lives to the extent that we wouldn't even recognise the time when we are asked to stand up against evil or are called to serve others, whether it be a single mission or enduring service over many years. The aspects of Christianity in our Romans reading are not something that we can perhaps fit into a busy schedule. The organised among us will run diaries, calendars, even spreadsheets to make sure they know where they should be at any certain time and also so they don't double book themselves. Most embarrassing. Monday, gym night. Tuesday, visit Auntie Ida. Wednesday, hate evil. Hopefully no one specific comes to mind. Thursday, patience. Friday, perseverance. Sorry, I can't come to dinner on Saturday. It's holding fast to what is good night. Mm, That's not going to work. Paul's teachings are aspects of Christianity that we need to weave into our lives so they're with us and shape us as we make difficult decisions, respond to challenges, do everyday tasks and live alongside others. It's important that we try to take this on board because in doing so we move closer to the path that follows Jesus and cannot help but be changed. Something which is never too late to do. Paul is aware that many of the qualities he talks of come more naturally to some than others, and we're told that we will need to work at many aspects with the zeal we would employ as if we were training for competitive sport. You can probably think of some people where patience maybe isn't their number one quality and tell them to go off and do a bit of training and come back. When you think about it, patience and persistence might even be enhanced by training for sport or practising music, strategising for bridge, doing some knitting or in many other pursuits and we just need to broaden their application within our Christian lives. I suspect that many of us reflect on today's readings and conclude that we haven't sacrificed much in our efforts to follow Christ. I guess that's how we feel about this and it can be very personal. But it's also likely that even the disciples didn't feel great about themselves when it came to cross-bearing. For us, cross-bearing is unlikely to be literal, whereas they would have seen the brutal reality. It's a natural reaction to avoid and minimise suffering where possible. And this was probably part of the reason that Peter said, 
God forbid it, Lord, when Jesus told him what must happen. The other part of the reason could relate to the fact that just before today's reading from Matthew's Gospel, we're told how Peter recognised Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Having done this and been blessed by Jesus for doing so, Peter likely had an idea in his head of what the outcome would be. He's been promised the keys to the kingdom of heaven. We're reminded of this if we look up at his little statue every time we cross the threshold to this church. But perhaps all of this had gone to his head, or he could only imagine a Messiah who would crush their opponents and then be worshipped by adoring crowds. Jesus was about to show him what a true Messiah looks like. I think the reaction of Jesus gives us an insight into his humanity. Not only does he viciously snap at Peter in a time of great stress and foreboding, but in doing so shows that this wasn't an easy path for him to take. He has to make a positive choice for God. There was an alternative. Peter would understand in time, but for now the satanic blocked Jesus' path must be removed. And in telling him to get behind me, Peter would once again be in a position to follow Christ. Many people will bear their metaphorical crosses quietly, not seeking endorsement or recognition. In fact, Paul warns that no one should expect to be admired for their goodness due to the fact that those who are against good will seek to ridicule and persecute them for it. It's also something with which the prophet Jeremiah was familiar. He argues to God that he's been faithful avoided bad company, but all of this has made him a target for abuse and isolated him in his community. God assures him of future hope for deliverance and redemption, no matter what he was experiencing at the time. It's a stark set of readings this week, with suffering at the core, but it's crucial that we remind ourselves that suffering is never the victor in God's plan for us, thanks to the choices made by Jesus to go on to Jerusalem. In the meantime, let's take up our cross the best we can and follow Christ day by day. Amen. And so as we bring our prayers to God, we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. 
the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen.